This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, if you've been hoping for a break on your grocery bill, brace yourself. Food costs are on the rise again. According to the 2023 Canada Food Report, Canadians can expect to pay even more at the checkout. Joining me now to discuss the report is Dr. Sylvain Charlebrot. He's a professor director of Agri-Foods Analytics Lab and former dean of the Faculty of Management at Dalhousie University. Sylvain, thanks so much for joining Joining me today. My pleasure. So there's no doubt that one of the most talked about topics this past year has been the rising cost of living and, and food in particular. Of course, it hits everyone, right, as they go to the grocery store. But as inflation slows, many were hoping we'd get a break at the checkout. Unfortunately, that does not appear to be the case. So according to Canada's Food Price Report 2023, consumers can expect prices to keep rising. The report is predicting a 5 to 7% food price increase in 2023. So so then let's talk about the food that's going to be increasing in cost and just how much more consumers are going to be paying for food costs in the next year. Well, essentially, uh, we we were hoping to give good news to Canadians uh, in December, but uh, our models were giving us a different story. So for 2023, we're expecting food prices to continue to rise. Uh, it should be anywhere between 5 to 7% more. Uh, so for a family of four, um, we're expecting that family to spend a little over $16,000 for the first time for the entire year. So it's 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 about $1,000 more uh, than in 2022. So it's a pretty significant uh, increase. Absolutely. I mean, it, I'm just looking through uh, the notes there. So $1,065 more a year, that's almost $89 a month. There's many Canadians that don't have that flexibility in their budget. Are there particular categories, Sylvain, that are going to increase more than others? Or is it, you know, sort of pretty uh, standard across the board? Well, we're concerned about the dollar, so vegetables are certainly top of mind for us right now. Uh, bakery products also are likely going to increase a little bit more than average, and uh, and dairy as well. Uh, we know that uh, dairy farmers are getting more for their work, which is certainly good news. But uh, as consumers, of course, uh, we're going to be impacted by that uh, at the grocery store. So we're expecting you know, products like butter, yogurt, uh, milk, fluid milk to be more expensive uh, over the next 12 months. Wow. So, you know, the things yeah. that most households are going to have, uh, have in their fridge and in their cupboard. So this is the 13th annual Canada Food Price Report, and it's a collaboration between research partners at Dalhousie University here in Atlantic Canada and the University of Guelph and the University of Saskatchewan and the University of British Columbia. So, so then can you share with our listeners how this team makes its predictions pertaining to food prices and, and what the determining factors are when you're taking this stuff into consideration? Yeah, it's uh, it's part art and part science, to be honest. Uh, it all starts with <clears throat> with um, all four partners. We we get together, and uh, we uh, we uh, run our own forecasts uh, essentially. And so we meet. So 
So Dal leads the process. So we meet with uh, Guelph, Saskatchewan, and UBC one-on-one, and and they provide us with a forecast. And obviously, all forecasts are always a little bit different. And so my role as lead author is to get to some sort of consensus amongst the 26 co-authors who are involved with the process. So it's it's never easy. So models, uh, AI, and machine learning are the starting point for our conversation. And then after that, we actually have a conversation about what is likely to happen over the next 12 months. And, and of course, it's not a perfect science, like you said, right? There's an art to it. There's a science. There's things that come into play during the year that maybe weren't anticipated when you guys look at the information uh, prior to the year. So you've been on the show several times to talk the, talk about this report. And, you know, at this time last year, you were predicting that food inflation rates would be 5 to 7% higher. And I want to point out that this was considered really high at that time as well. Was, and as yeah. the year on... Right. It was really high. But of course, as the year unfolded, there were several contributing factors that drove food inflation even higher. So can, let's talk about that. What are some of the reasons behind the spikes? And, and can we expect to see more of that in 2023? Well, we, we were actually quite pleased with our forecast last year because uh, our forecast happened uh, basically plus Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine was not uh, something that was mentioned in our report last year. Uh, I I would say that probably most people were surprised that in 2022 a uh, a democratic country would actually be invaded by another. And so that's why the Ukraine really, uh, the conflict there really just uh, pushed things uh, at a whole new level. Everything got more expensive. Uh, Energy and obviously uh, ag commodities like wheat, barley, uh, soy, uh, maize, all of these ingredients are in basically everything we eat. And so to produce anything in the food industry, it was just costing more almost overnight. And that really came violently uh, for, for the sector. As we were trying to figure out how to deal with the post-COVID era, uh, Ukraine really came at, at, at the worst time, really. Yeah, and, you know, to your point, we're, we're still experiencing supply chain issues on many things, right? Not only food, but many things since the pandemic are, are still being impacted, and that is driving the prices higher. So last year being the exception, let's talk about the, the accuracy of the report. Like, are you generally, when you come up with this report, understanding, as we said, it's an art versus, and, and a bit of a, a science, how confident are you that, you know, the sort of average 5 to 7%, and we can go through each category, right? Bakery was 5 Five to seven, dairy five to seven, fruits three to five, meat five to seven, uh, seafood four to six, vegetables six to eight, and anticipating restaurant prices to go up four to six percent. So, how confident are you that you know this will be what we can expect for 2023? Are there things that you think could change that in a positive or, or negative outcome? 
Well, actually, for this year, we're hoping uh, to be wrong. <laughs> to be honest, because uh, <laughs> if we are wrong, it means that everyone will get a break at the grocery store. Right. But uh, I mean, we were pretty. Our, our accuracy rate is fairly high. We're basically the only group, I think, in the country that actually goes back and report on itself. If you look at the first chapter of our report, every year we basically uh, title the first chapter, "How did we do?" Uh, for example. And very rarely banks and uh, and uh, consulting firms will do that because most of the time they're wrong. Our accuracy rate, if you actually look at all categories the last uh, 12 years, uh, our accuracy rate is, is slightly above 75%, which is actually not bad. Um, we are using different data sets every single year. We try to um, better our models. We actually try to improve our method uh, the best we can. And because we're universities, we're we're learning as we go. I mean, not not a whole lot of people uh, can do or do forecasts. And and the one thing that we know for sure is that forecasting is very very difficult. Anybody who's done some forecasting in the past would know that forecasting is very difficult. No, absolutely. And, and you know, you're, there's always some estimating that's going into it. And I hope you're wrong, too, by the way. I hope that people, exactly. <laughs> that people do start to get a break at the grocery store. Like I said, it's something that impacts everybody. And thinking that last year was high and then you're adding another 5 to 7% on top of that for, for 2023, you know, $89 may not seem like a lot adding to your monthly budget. But I can tell you that with what people experience with interest rate increases and, and the cost of living over the last year, that additional $89 is going to be a struggle for some. And there's no doubt that affordability has been top of mind for many consumers coast to coast this past year. And it's led to many changes in shopping habits as consumers try to trim their costs. So we're going to talk about these when we come back. So please stay with us. You're busy, but you'll never be uninformed. Get up to date on the way home. The Drive on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Dr. Sylvan Charlebois. He's a professor and director of Agri-Food Analytics Lab and the former dean of the Faculty of Management at Dalhousie University. So today we're discussing the annual Canada Food Price Report. And after a year that saw food prices climb by numbers not seen in decades due to record inflation, if you were hoping that the new year would bring savings at the check out, think again. The annual report is predicting we could see costs continue to rise by 5 to 7% in some food categories. And in monetary terms, that could mean, you know, $89 a month for an average family of four, as we said uh, in the last segment. We know many Canadians are feeling the strain of the rising cost of groceries. And, and as an attempt to cut costs, it really has meant a change in some shopping behavior. So, so when the Agri-Food Analytics Lab has surveyed Canadians, so let's talk about the results and, and many ways consumers have changed their shopping habits in the past year in an effort to reduce these costs. So one third at 33.7% are using loyalty points to pay for groceries. One third at 32.1% are reviewing weekly flyers. Nearly one quarter at 23.9% are using coupons. One in five at 19.1% are opting to go to discount stores. 11.5% are going to dollar stores more often for food purchases. 
And more consumers are going to farmers markets, buying directly from farmers at 8%, roadside stands at 7.1% for community purchasing groups. So what do you think about these? Are you surprised at all by any of these numbers? Were you expecting any of them to be higher or lower? And what are you seeing uh, with regards to uh, shopping habits? Well, I, you know, I often say that uh, we we do have two Canadas at the grocery store. Uh, you do have many Canadians who are just coping with food inflation. They're they're able to um, maneuver around the impact of food inflation. They'll they'll have a car and they can actually drive around and go to different uh, grocery stores and and they can actually use uh, flyers and apps and and they'll have a phone and, uh, and they'll have a bank account so they, they have options and they can do whatever they can in order to save and that's about 75% of Canadians but you do have uh, 25% of Canadians who uh, are really severely impacted by food inflation their quality of life has been impacted by food inflation uh, they've had to make compromises nutritional compromises along the way it's not just about you know just picking one brand versus the other this is about really survival and because uh, at 10 percent really uh, you you do notice and and the one thing that people uh, tend to forget is that the food inflation rate in Canada has exceeded the general inflation rate for for 12 consecutive months now the last time we had a uh, inflation rate higher than the food inflation was in November of 2021. So it's been a while, and that's why a lot of people are are are, are sticker shocked at the grocery store, and that's going to continue until probably the spring. And so those are the people are really struggling and noticing that uh, that trips to the grocery store are, are getting really expensive. No, absolutely. When I look at that, you know, one third using loyalty points to pay for groceries. I know I've heard people in the past, you know, family, friends, you know, clients, whatever the case may be, talk about loyalty points as a way that, you know, they may be able to get their Christmas groceries, right? They save them up and because they know that that's an extra cost. So to think that it's now become where they need to use it just to put food on the table every each and every month, it is concerning, right? And we know that the food banks uh, are usage is on the rise as well. And of course, another way that consumers are saving is by purchasing privately labeled food products and no name brands. In fact, surveys show that one in five at 21% of Canadians are doing this, even more here in Atlantic Canada, 27.8%. So what can you tell us about that, uh, Sylvain? Like, is that something that you've noticed a lot more of? Is it something that um, is, is okay for people to be doing, right? Is it just as healthy to be buying these sort of no name brands? Yeah, I think our culture around uh, private labels uh, is is changing. Uh, for many years, uh, private labels were seen as less uh, as less quality, uh, a bargain, yes. But people just uh, were many people were avoiding them just because they just wanted to buy uh, branded products. They saw them as as better quality. But uh, we're 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 a lagging country when it comes to private labels in the U.S. and even in Europe, uh, the percentage of sales of private labels in the food space is much higher than, than in Canada. And so I think the culture is changing. I think people are starting to realize that while some uh, privately labeled products, food products, are actually not bad. I mean, you do have 
the two-tier approach, like with Loblaws, the President's Choice, and and No Name. No Name is basically bare bones, uh, um, low quality, low price. Whereas pri- President's Choice is actually uh, a decent price, but a better quality. And uh, so people are starting to really get educated about uh, about private labels, and they're and they're buying them. Uh, and and frankly, uh, I think. Loblaw's uh, decision to freeze prices for three months, and that freeze is ending at the end of January, I, I think that's an indication that people are starting to really consider private labels as an option. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it is important for people, right, to save money wherever they can, right? And, and so looking at those options is definitely uh, something that everyone should be considering. We're also seeing more consumers buying food that is about to expire. And interestingly enough, our region in Atlantic Canada has the highest percentage at 29.1% of consumers doing this. So what can you tell us about this? So I'm guessing that, that what this means is, you know, when you go to the meat counter and, and things are marked down with the big pink or green stickers, right, because the, the best before day may be that day, is that the sort of thing that we're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're, I mean, as Canadians, uh, we're addicted to best before dates. Our, yeah. <laughs> our food safety culture is pretty strong in Canada. I mean, we're we're one of the best countries in the world when it comes to food safety, but that does come at a cost. I mean, people are really accustomed to buying safe food. We don't really realize it as Canadians, but in other parts of the world, food safety is not a given. Uh, but in Canada, it it almost is, and um, and so there are countries like in the UK, for example, that are starting to get rid of best before dates. And we did survey Canadians about that, and very few people would be would be willing to do that because food best before dates tend to will will push us to waste more food. Uh, we don't rely on our on the sniff test and our our senses to to see whether or not a product is um, is good enough but I think because of food prices people are starting to you know stretch dates uh, they are looking at how to waste less because waste food waste can cost well over two thousand dollars for a family of four per year that's a lot of money if you actually waste less food you can offset the impact of food inflation this year Absolutely. In fact, it is a positive trend that has come out of this, right, is that we're also seeing food waste reduction. So two in five Canadians at 40.6% are trying to waste less food right now, much more than they were 12 months ago. So I think, you know, if there's a silver lining to any of this, it, it would be that, right, that, that food waste reduction has gone down. Exactly. I think I think people are seeing food very differently, and they're trying to really make sure that uh, they uh, they they can uh, get their bang for their buck. Uh, apps to rescue food uh, are becoming more popular, and and those apps are Food Hero, Too Good to Go, Flash Food. All of these apps are becoming more popular because it allows people to buy products that are about to expire. Retailers will actually just post. Many, some products and uh, you can uh, go and buy them online and pick them up at the grocery store and you can save like sometimes you can actually save up to 75 percent uh, mm-hmm. you know with a 
food inflation at 10%, uh, I, I think it's worthwhile looking into these apps for sure. Absolutely, because when you look at the cost of living increases and, and inflation, uh, even you know the interest rate increases that we've seen, it's not only food that's costing more. So, you know, even though the food prices are, are let's just say, going up 5 to 7%, some cases could be 10%, there's other things that are costing people more now, like putting gas in their vehicle, for example, right? They're servicing their debt is costing them more. So wherever they can save, um, and, and certainly groceries being one of the highest costs, I would suspect for many people um, in Canada, saving on that is going to make a significant difference for them. So another interesting uh, thing that came out of your survey is just over one in five at 15 and a half percent of Canadians have started growing their own food, including 15.2% here in Atlantic Canada. I'm actually surprised that that number is only 15% because there's, it seems to be people are, you know, starting community gardens. They're like finding ways to uh, grow different types of vegetables uh, at home. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, uh, I mean, March 2020 was uh, was a significant moment for a lot of people. And, and I think that um, many, many people and even governments are thinking about food autonomy much more differently. I know that in Newfoundland there are initiatives to uh, that would uh, that that will get groups to grow more food um, on uh, in the province really, and so we're seeing it everywhere uh, in the Atlantic and and across the country. Uh, more and more provinces are looking into food autonomy much more seriously, and at the individual level, consumers are doing the same thing. They want to grow more food, and, and frankly, it's pretty easy to do. I mean, you, you, you can just go online, and you can buy all the equipment, and sometimes it's you can actually grow stuff all year round indoors in your own apartment or house. So there's, there's lots of options out there you can grow. Uh, obviously, you need to commit to it if you want to save some money. You can't really save money the first year. You have to commit for several years in order to amortize all the costs that you'll spend in, in buying all the equipment you need to garden. Because gardening is, is a lot of work, and I think a lot of people are noticing that. Yeah, and I think that's why we're seeing some of these uh, community-type gardens too, right? You get a few families together that invest in, in putting this together, and then everyone reaps from the rewards that uh, that come out of the garden, which is, I think, great. And, you know, we are seeing some positive things, like we said, with the, the food waste reduction as consumers are looking for ways to save. But we're also seeing some really concerning trends surface, and we're going to talk about those when we come back. Please stay with us. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay, whatever keeps you feeling great the wellness and healthy lifestyle show on your vocm welcome back you're listening to your money here on vocm i'm your host nancy snedden licensed insolvency trustee with bdo canada here in newfoundland and labrador my guest today is dr sylvan charlebron he's a professor and director of agri-food analytics lab and former dean of the faculty of management at dalhousie university we're talking about the annual canada food price report the survey is certainly not the news i know many listening were hoping for as it shows will be paying more for the groceries in the new year and food prices are estimated to increase by five to seven percent in 2023 and after a year that saw food prices climb by numbers we haven't seen in decades due to high inflation there are some real concerns especially when it comes to food insecurity here in canada so one alarming trend that we've witnessed over the past year is the growing demand on our food banks so so then let's talk more about this and, and the growing concerns that you have around food insecurity here in canada 
Uh, well, I mean, it's it's a growing issue. I think a lot of people are being left behind. Uh, it's you know, hunger is 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 the silent disease. You don't really you can't see hunger. You can't, and people won't necessarily talk about it. And but it is out there, and there are more people, uh, unfortunately, that are going to bed hungry uh, every single night. And uh, so food security is is become a big issue. I'm I'm on the board of Second Harvest in Toronto, which is the largest food bank in the country, and uh, we're seeing more traffic, and it's also harder for us to get to get food because as as we talked earlier, uh, consumers are getting better at managing food waste and and companies are also getting better at, at managing food waste because it's costing more to produce the food we need so the, absolutely it's it's becoming a, a real issue and and that's why sometimes I, I do uh, do believe that uh, some some policies are needed to help uh, those who are really struggling sometimes I, I see policy trying to uh, score political points like in PI, for example, they're giving basically almost $1,000 to all households in the province over the next little while. And I don't think it's going to achieve anything. You need a more targeted policy, targeted programs to help people who are absolutely affected by food inflation. Oh, absolutely. And the number is it's staggering. So food affordability really is a nationwide problem with 5.8 million Canadians, including 1.4 million children in 10 provinces living in food insecure households. It breaks my heart to hear those numbers, honestly, Sylvain. And according to the 2022 hunger count published by Food Banks Canada, food bank use rose to the highest levels in Canadian history last year. It was up 15%. Here in our province, food bank visits increased by 27% compared to 2021 and 31% of food bank visits this year to date included children. I mean, it's heartbreaking, really. Oh, uh, absolutely. And and, and for those uh, who believe, well, food banks uh, are there for for the people who aren't necessarily uh, strong or I must say, I mean, people who actually do go to food banks are, are struggling. I mean, to actually get out and go to a food bank and admitting that you're defeated essentially by what's going on in the economy is is really tough morally, psychologically, and and physically. So we need to really and of course when children are are involved, it's 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 much worse. So it's it's important for 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 all of us who who do better to help out as much as possible. My uh, my my family and I we volunteer at our, our local food bank right here in, in Nova Scotia and we, we give as much as we can because we know that we're pretty lucky. Uh, we won the lottery of life but not all have, have, have won so we need to think about those people. No, absolutely and you know it's it's so important um, all the time, right? It's best, but I think especially in the winter time to make sure that you're giving as much as you possibly can to your local food bank because the winter is when the cost of living increases for so many people, especially seniors out there who want a fixed income and they see their heat bill rise, right? Not everyone is on a fixed budgeted uh, plan and, and it's so important to make sure that if you can con- contribute to your local food bank that, uh, that you do. And we know that the lack of affordability Canadians are facing as a result of raw 
housing food prices has resulted in an estimated 23% reporting that they eat less than they should. And I think this is a really concerning trend for me as well. Like it's, it's difficult to see people going to the food bank, but hopefully they're going to the food bank and getting what they need. But for those out there who are not eating what they should in order to maintain their health, that's particularly concerning. Oh, absolutely. Uh, of that 23, 24%, almost 70% are women, by the way. And so obviously you have to think about them. You have to think about the children involved. And we were talking earlier about people who are being left behind. Those are the people that are really uh, affected by food inflation. If you if you basically skip meals and if you uh, buy less food, uh, at some point something's got to give. Uh, physically and mentally so it's been, of course I, I'm, I'm a professor I work at, at a university and uh, and our students aren't immune to this either I've actually seen a lot of students um, being impacted by food inflation as well uh, when they're studying of course tuition comes first but after that it's becoming more difficult for them to actually spend money on food yeah, no, it, it is tough for everyone right now. And, and we know that traditionally food banks tended to see a slowdown in the summer months, as we said, right? The winter is tougher because of heating costs, et cetera. But last summer, there was no slowdown at all. In fact, food banks faced their toughest summer in 41 years. Surveys show that nearly one quarter at 24% of Canadians are cutting back on the amount of food they purchase due to inflation. As you said, uh, Sylvain, when we talked about uh, people who are eating less, there's more female consumers that are cutting back on food, 29.6% versus 18% of men. Some at 7.1% are skipping meals entirely. And some at 6.6% are paying for groceries with credit card without knowing when they'll be able to pay it back. This is particularly concerning uh, for me, of course, because, you know, people who are needing to use credit to supplement their income to put food on the table, um, it it becomes a snowball, right? Because they'll get to the point where, of course, they won't be able to, they'll run out of credit, I guess, available credit, or they won't be able to afford the minimum payment on the credit card because the balance is is, uh, continuing to grow. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, and of course we all know that credit is getting more expensive. <laughs> We're uh, the Bank of Canada. Uh, well, the Western world is training uh, the younger generations uh, when it comes to credit. Uh, credit actually will cost more money. It's costing money for for more well over a decade. Money was almost free in our economy, and um, and so a lot of people are starting to learn that credit actually really will cost you money uh, mortgages a balance on a credit card and things like that and because uh, interest rates in 2022 really did go up and that's the that's the double whammy that most households are dealing with right now um, and so on the one side you have to spend more money on credit whether it's a mortgage or credit cards on the other you have to spend more money on food the two the two necessities of life are is a roof and food and both got more expensive in 2022. No, absolutely. And of course, we don't know if we're done yet, right? It's possible that we may see another interest rate increase in, in Q1 of 2023. Uh, I think the Bank of Canada is considering their options on that now. But I mean, even without that, we know that there's so many Canadians that are going to be renewing their mortgage in the next 12 
months and the interest rates are going to be, you know, in some cases, triple what, what they did uh, when they refinanced five years ago, which is going to make a significant impact to their monthly uh, payment. So it's it's sort of like the perfect storm of um, things impacting people's cash flow and, and budgets right now. And, and while rising food costs are something we will have to face for the first half of 2023, the good news is the Canada Food Report is also predicting a light at the end of the tunnel. So Sylvain will tell us about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Your VOCM Mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy, 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Dr. Sylvan Charlebra. He's a professor and director of Agri-Food Analytics Lab and the former dean of the Faculty of Management at Dalhousie University. We're discussing the annual Canada Food Price Report, which shows we won't escape food inflation anytime soon. Food prices are going to continue to escalate as we come into 2023. But as bleak as things are looking for the start of the new year, there is some good news as 2023 unfolds. The study does show some of the increases will ease in the second half of the year. So, so then what can you tell us about that? What can we expect to change? Well, I'm glad that you read the whole report. <laughs> a, a lot of people just they just look at the numbers and they and they just fear for the worse. Uh, so yes, we are expecting food prices to increase by five to seven percent, but that's likely going to happen only in the first half. The second half is um, we're actually expecting uh, calmer seas. Um, we are expecting prices or the food inflation rate to level off and, and drop. Uh, significantly and it should actually go below the general inflation rate which is actually going to help everyone uh, honestly and so and of course we're, we're all expecting uh, a, a, um, a economic slowdown across around the world and people don't realize it but as, as consumers we do have a lot to say about food prices, if if there's a lot of cash in the market, if, if, if there's a lot of wealth, well, food prices will go up. And so if there is a bit of a, an economic slowdown, it's actually going to calm things down also a little bit at the grocery store. And so I think that's likely going to happen in the second half after the end of spring. And so, so then just so we're clear um, for, con- for consumers, for listeners here today, are we going to see current costs decrease or are we just not going to see them continue to increase? No, yeah, exactly. So it, it, we're talking about the food inflation rate, not food prices. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of people uh, are expecting food prices to drop. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think food prices will continue to rise, but not at the same rate. You, uh, over the last year or so, what I've heard in the media is that uh, we, we tend to, to consider uh, food inflation as a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, a high food inflation rate at 10% is certainly a bad thing. But at 2%, it's actually manageable. It allows the industry to innovate, to provide us with safe food, new food, uh, different kinds of food. But on the other hand, it allows consumers also to adjust their budgets. So you do want some inflation, uh, but not not at the rate we're seeing right now, for sure. No, absolutely. 
So when it comes to the food report that you guys are putting out, how can consumers benefit um, when it comes to food choices and shopping? Like how can they use the report so that they're, they're actually uh, aiding themselves in how they're approaching their grocery shopping? Well, if you look at uh, the, at the end of the report, uh, our approach is actually quite granular. You can actually um, you can actually set your own budget depending on how many people are in your own household. If you live alone, or if you live as a couple, or with one children, it doesn't matter. You can actually recreate your own household and set a budget for that. And um, and it, honestly, you shouldn't be spending more than that amount by the end of this. Year. Year. And you you do want to track uh, the amount of money you spend on food uh, on a weekly basis, or at least on a monthly basis, so you you know whether or not you're overspending or underspending, and and be aware of your options as much as possible. I, what I find when I talk to people around the country, I, I find that people aren't necessarily aware that they have way more options than they do right now. They they think they're highly vulnerable and they have option they have only one grocery store to go to. There are several options out there and I wouldn't actually avoid small shops, independent shops. Some independent shops out there, they may be smaller, but they do offer good deals at times. So I would actually consider those as options too. So, so then oftentimes when people are going to the grocery store, you know, we've heard a lot about, obviously, food inflation. We've been talking about rising food prices now for the last couple of years. And oftentimes people will think that, you know, it's the grocers increasing um, their prices. What can you tell us about that? Well, it's 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 our portal, right? We often relate to grocery stores, but we don't necessarily understand the entire food supply chain. So people are quick to blame <laughs> grocers, and this this term greedflation has come up several times in 2022. And and in our report, we try to explain uh, that uh, that we actually did look at financial statements of of major grocers, and we didn't find any evidence of of abuse or anything like that. Um, they're doing very well financially, of course, but they're not, we don't believe that they're abusing uh, or charging because margins have actually remained consistent the last seven, eight years. And so, but still, uh, we we do want people to understand that that uh, that the food industry in Canada is is doing okay. There are pockets of concerns, yes, uh, and, and the Competition Bureau and Parliament uh, are looking into these matters, but generally speaking, we shouldn't be quick at blaming just grocery stores. There, there's, there, are, there are more things that we should be looking at uh, than, than just looking at retail in particular. No, and that that's good for people to know. I think that you know, in most cases, the grocers are passing on increased costs that they have, as opposed to price gouging or increasing costs uh, in addition to the regular um, inflation that we're seeing. And I think the fact that the margins haven't changed in eight years is is a highlight for that. Well, Sylvan, as always, you've been uh, great today. You know, lots of great information for listeners, but we do have some time now for some final thoughts. So if you could leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be? 
I, I think it's important to keep in mind that uh, we do have a, a solid food industry in Canada, and uh, and we also are we also have a trading nation. Uh, we import and export, and I know there's a lot of uh, there's there's some big put there's a big push for to, for for everything local, which is great. But at the same time, we also want we need to remind ourselves that we do have an open economy. We want to feed ourselves. We also want to feed the world. That's that's the nature of, of, of the Canadian ag economy. And so we need to keep that in mind as much as possible. And if you do, we do that, well, guess what? Our food basket at a grocery store will remain uh, as affordable as possible. Um, that's a really good point. I think, you know, I'm I'm a big proponent of shopping local and, and supporting um, local where we can. But I think sometimes um, households need to look at what the best prices for them right and and it may be local and it may not be local in some in some cases but with food in particular and and budgets being stretched and cash flow being uh crunched right now i think it's it's important to really look at your options and like we talked about earlier looking at coupons and and different apps that are available to to help as you try to save as much cost as you can at the grocery store also then it's always great to have you on the show always interesting information for listeners but for listeners would like to read the 2023 Canada Food Report in detail or learn more about the research that's being carried out by the Agri-Food Analytics Lab. What's the best way for them to do that? Well, essentially, I'll keep it as simple as possible. You can just go uh, online and, and Google Agri-Food Analytics Lab, Dalhousie University, and you'll end up on our page. And all of our research uh, is available in both English and French for free. Great. Well, thanks again for joining me today. My pleasure. Take care. And for listeners out there, if you're struggling, if you're someone who is using credit to supplement their income right now at the grocery store, give us a call. We're happy to go through your budget and, and try to help you find ways to, to move things around to make things a little easier. And I always want to hear from you if you have a comment or question or a topic you'd like us to discuss here on Your Money. You can email me at yourmoney at bdo.ca or give us a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Snedden. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If if you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, License Insolvency Trustees, on your VOCM.